Hello everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast Moving Money Refinanced. I am one of your hosts, Damian Levy. With me as always is Shauna. How are you doing, Shauna? I'm fine. I apologize for the bad lighting. That's okay. It's fine. I'm just imagining that you're an evil overlord and you're coming to demand a ransom of a billion dollars. Otherwise, you won't give out the cure for COVID-19. <laughs> That's just what I'm seeing right now. Um, but more than usual, Shauna, we have a special guest here today. And uh, why don't you go and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kyle Eitel. Kyle Eitel, and uh, who are you and why should anybody care about what you have to say? Justify your existence right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I am a filmmaker and I sit on the board of the Jamaica Film and Television Association. Otherwise known as um, JAFTA. Yeah, and sometimes I teach people, you know, filmmaking. Okay, cool. So he's a man of many hats, but he doesn't have a hat on today. I am the owner with a hat. Those are the rules. Kyle, you know, there's a fee to join movie money. So we'll discuss that after here, okay? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of a discount because of COVID-19. So it's not a billion dollars. It's just a million dollars. It's fine. Um, But yeah, so we have a very important thing to discuss today. And that's why we need a special guest because... Even though nobody's making money at the movies, there are still things going on in the movie world that demand discussion, and we're going to be talking about them today. Um, so let me just tune out this sweet jazz music, but it'll come back before the end of the show. Um, first of all, Kyle, I want to say thank you for joining us today. Um, I kind of sprung this no, on no, you. No problem, no problem. Yeah, I kind of sprung this on you late last night, and you um, you agreed, which was nice. And uh, I actually sprung it on Shauna this morning. So Shauna didn't know you were coming on the show until early this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> thankfully you two don't have any bad blood between you so there's not going to be anything bad on this podcast today hopefully we'll see how it goes yeah. Marvel phase two is over so we're at peace yeah yeah <laughs> and this is going to be a controversial topic we're discussing uh, not discussing discussing um, so maybe you two will be on opposite ends I don't know we'll find out uh, but first of all Shauna tell me how you are doing um, it's been a couple of days I since know. I last spoke to you yeah, I mean, I'm doing fine, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. Hopefully COVID-19 disappears soon, but 2021 looks like it. 20. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, because um, we, we are all movie fans here, and they don't, I don't see any return in sight for movie theaters. Um, I know that in the States, they were planning on a July window for when they're going to start opening up theaters again, but that doesn't seem too likely. Um, Kat, how have you been doing in the lockdown period? Way busier than I thought I would be. Um, a lot of things are transitioning to, you know, doing a lot of these streaming and digital stuff. So I've been kind of working behind the scenes on a couple of things, trying to transition, um, trying to transition um, live events over to, you know, these kind of Zoom meetings and um, yeah, and we'd normally be preparing for um, one of our film festivals in Jamaica, Gatfest. But, you know, due to all the COVID and stuff, we're actually kind of pivoted into producing content for a platform we're about to relaunch. So it's been keeping me busier than I expected. Yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people um, right now, you'll see a lot of sentiment that says if you're indoors and you're a creative person, you should be producing as much as possible because you have no excuse now because you have all the time in the world (laughs) but what people don't realize is that at the same time of having to produce things you're having to transition to a whole new way of producing things um, for a whole new market and it's also very unprecedented nobody knows how long people are going to be indoors for so how do you go about with a filmmaking venture if you're all indoors 
Um, how do you go about creating things for an audience that doesn't know if they're going to be indoors for the foreseeable future or not? It's very complicated. Uh, and that actually brings us to our discussion today. So um, not much movie news has been coming out in the last few weeks or the last few months. Um, I think the the most depressing thing about it is that every now and then you'll see movie news and you'll see this movie has been delayed indefinitely and all your hopes and dreams are going to die until COVID-19 is <laughs> over. Um, but what's happened recently and as recently as the last few days is that there has been infighting in um, the industry, I would say. Um, so uh, as I was saying, a lot of movies have been put on hold indefinitely, but some of them have been released on the digital market. Um, a new term has been popping up for a lot of people. That's PVOD, which is premium video on demand. We, we, we heard from Universal Pictures, which one of the things that they decided to do with COVID-19 was they were going to release one of their biggest movies of the year, Trolls World Tour, on demand, and it was announced recently that they actually made quite a bit of money uh, doing the on-demand release. <laughs> um, I think bigger than any of us expected it to do. Of um, and uh, Shani, you can speak to that because the number that they announced was that it made $95 million over I streaming. Heard, um, I heard 100, but first and foremost, I did not know that Trolls World Tour was a thing. I, I'm probably the only person that did not know that this movie existed until yeah. like, when I heard that it made like a movie. A hundred million dollar off PVOD, and I'm saying what? I only heard about it because it was announced as one of the movies that was coming out on demand. It was one of those things that was just like, okay, COVID is here. How are we going to adjust? Here's a major release that is skipping the release date in theaters, which was unheard of before that point. You had movies like Onward um, from Pixar, which had been had a little bit of a release window in theaters. But then after maybe two, three weeks, they switched to on-demand immediately to kind of get as much attention as possible onto the film. Um, and historically, there has been on-demand releases for films, but it's been after there's been a release window in theaters. Exactly. But Jeff Shell, which is the CEO of NBC Universal, said in the Wall Street Journal that uh, the results of Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the viability of PVOD. As soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. When I first heard this announcement, right, my, my take on it was this is a normal thing for a studio to do, right? I don't know if you guys disagree with me on that, but announcing that your movie has made a bunch of money is something that studios do all the time as a way to incentivize the market to go out and see the movie. You know, like you always see there's a yeah. TV spot that says this movie has been the number one movie for three weeks in America and you should go see it because everybody else is seeing it. So I don't think it's out of the norm to, to talk about how well your movie has done business-wise. That's a very normal thing for them to do. Um, but the problem came right at the end of his statement where he says, as soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, took, I, I would have taken that as a little bit of a worrying sign for movie theaters. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of theaters... They rely on that window of, of exclusivity where you don't get to see the movie anywhere else and you have to go to theaters. What do you guys think about that stance to say that they're going to release the movie both on demand and in theaters same day? It, it's, it's really, really an interesting space because this was a good chance for them to experiment because they got to see the, um, the revenue without the interference <laughs> of theaters, to see the buy-in of audiences to the PVOD platforms and those higher price points. Yeah. Um, so 
and going and going forward, I think we may not start to see the big temples, you know, the Fast and the Furiouses and the, you know, the bigger Marvel movies and stuff moving to the PVOD yet. But um, we may start seeing those kind of middle range, um, more kid oriented, because that's been a big block for a lot of parents is that, you know, you have two kids or three kids and they're young and you don't and to actually carry them to the movies. It's really expensive. You're spending 100, 200 U.S you know, for a single night out. So yeah, it yeah. Is, it, it's proving the viability of that over time. And on the side of the theaters, it comes at a worrying time because over the last five years, if the figures are, I'm remembering the figures correctly, although revenue has grown, the investment that they have, it's not grown to match the investment they have had to make to, make to stay competitive as audiences are shrinking. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's it's a rough time on one side and a time where another side is discovering all these new avenues. Yeah, and um, I think I think you you said a good point there. If I'm a father of four, right, and my kids want to go to the movies and I have I have to buy five tickets, then each of those kids wants popcorn or they want a hot dog or they want nachos or they want a soda or something. And you know, if you add up all of that money at the internet, you're spending a lot of money for one movie. As opposed to staying home, you rent a movie for $20 and everybody sits on the couch and just watches together. On the side of the, you know, the producers and the distributors of the film, um, it's actually working out even better because I believe the margins for the theaters is about 45% of um, the, gate, the ticket sales. And, but with the PVOD, they're getting about 30. Um, iTunes, uh, I believe, only takes 30% or 35%. So you're, you're already, you know, there's already, they're already seeing bigger margins coming back. Well, uh, honestly, I kind of feel it for the movie theaters because, I mean, that's where they make like a bunch of their money, you know, off snacks and stuff. So when you try to take away that money from them, I would feel the same way. But yeah. honestly, I do not agree with them. Honestly, putting out a that speech area that they're going to severe ties. I mean, theaters aren't open yet. At least wait, and then you know you guys come to some agreement or something. Because one CEO made a speech, you're going to jump up and say, you know what, we're finished with Universal. I don't think that's smart. I kind of do understand where they're coming from because I want the theater experience to be preserved. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like the theater experience. Right, yeah. And that's going to, you know, that's going to kill them. That's going to kill them if they plan to release PVOD and theaters at the same time. But I mean, I would think that they would leave all of this until like when, you know, COVID-19 starts to diminish and the mm-hmm. theaters are actually have actually reopened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying, and that actually is gonna tie into the next aspect of this scandal, which is uh, AMC took that stance of Universal Pictures to say that okay, you're saying that you're gonna release same day in theaters and on um, PVOD. All right, cool. We're not gonna release any more Universal Pictures movies in our theaters. Their official statement was, AMC believes that this proposed action to go to the home and theater simultaneously, Universal is breaking the business model and dealings between our two companies. Uh, And so they decided they're they're not going to show any more Universal Pictures movies in their theaters. Uh, And this is AMC, which is one of the biggest movie theater chains in America, all, all over the world. And since then, Regal Cinema has also come out and said that they are not going to be um, showing Universal Pictures movies. And just to give people an idea of what that means, Universal Pictures is 
I would say they are probably the biggest competitor with, you know, big theater draws as opposed to Disney. Um, because Universal, you have the Fast and Furious franchise, you have the Jurassic World franchise, you have James a ton, Bond. you have James Bond, you have a ton of yeah. um, uh, animated features that get a lot of kids always want to go to the movie theaters. Um, you know, DreamWorks movies come from Universal. Like, there's, there's a huge, you know, list of franchises that have huge fan bases that go to the theaters every year. So for theaters to say that they are not going to be showing Universal Pictures movies is no light statement. Um, what do you guys think about that stance? Do you think there's any bite to it? Do you think they are just grandstanding? Why do you think they made that statement? I think at this stage, it's, it's just a lot of grandstanding because we... Um, they need the content. They're not going to, you know, say, turn to me as an independent filmmaker or, you know, the smaller distributors for content right now. Um, one thing I do expect to come out of it is that the um, window from theatrical release, that exclusive window, is going to get even shorter because I believe it used to be nine yeah. weeks years ago. And now it's down to between somewhere between four and six weeks now in the case of some films. Mm -hmm. So that's going to probably shrink a lot more. But there, there are actually cases where a movie comes out this week and then on VOD, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. It's not like something that hasn't happened or has been, hasn't been happening. I've seen movies like release even a shorter window than even four weeks. And then when you look, it's on VOD. Well, yeah, right. the, um, the, the bigger releases tend, the, the, the smaller releases have that flexibility because we're not getting that many screens um, from, the, from the cinema chains and the cinemas. But it's now, now the stage where they're looking at the Fast and the Furious series and they're looking, you know, Disney, Disney has their own platform and they're, they're also going to be looking at, at these different, um, these big, big money earners for the cinemas as, you know, oh, can we do this? Can we now, instead of waiting nine weeks to, to put them out on home video or whatever, can we do this in four weeks and be earning you know, be earning that money from people that aren't going to the cinema. Yeah, and uh, I write, I'm having it right here. There's a 75-day window is the official length for blockbuster movies. Um, and I, I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I do think it's grandstanding, but I think it's, uh, it's to say that this is as far as they want to take it. You know, um, it's not necessarily... I don't think they're, they're going to rely solely on the blockbusters from Disney um, to, to be what draws people into the theaters. I think they're, they're, they want to have that diversity because they rely on it more than anything. Um, and as you said, Kyle, it's not like they're going to be going to independent filmmakers to fill the seats year in, year out. I would love for that to be the case. Imagine, imagine in a perfect oh, yeah. world <laughs> where, where AMC now becomes the place to premiere your independent movie and there's this big cultural revolution that takes back the arts from the big, you know, corporations. That's the ideal world. That's not what's going to happen here. It. I don't think I so. I love it. But uh, in, in response to AMC's statement, Comcast and, and Jeff Shell, who is, uh, as I said, was the CEO of NBC Universal, um, they said that there's no question, or Jeff Shell said that there's no question that theatrical will someday be a, cent will, will be a central element to our business and film business. Um, it's how people make their movies and how they expect their movies to be seen. But the flip side is the majority of our movies, whether we like it or not, are being consumed at home. It's not realistic to assume that we're going to change, that this part of the business isn't going to change, like all parts of the business are going to change. 
And then uh, the CFO of Comcast, Michael J. Kavanaugh, said, In response to these shutdowns, we immediately and proactively moved our theatrical films to our premium video-on-demand service. Uh, while we are pleased with the PVOD success, the particular circumstances of each film are unique, and we will determine our future distribution approach on a title-by-title basis. Um, and I think that is probably the best response you can give because the reality is theaters are, I don't want to say a dying industry. Certainly for us in, in you know, our country, we see less people going to the theater on a regular basis. We see the movie tickets getting higher and higher because there's less people going into the theaters. We see the big blockbusters taking up theater space for months at a time because those are the ones that people are going to see. So... It's not like we can pretend that theaters have been, you know, doing fine and then COVID happened and then all of a sudden we, you know, they were losing all this business. Movie theaters have been losing the, the battle with streaming for a while. As you look at Disney, Disney just released their major streaming platform to compete with Netflix, right? They, um, there's a guy I, I follow online, uh, Matthew Ball. He's a former Amazon Studios executive and he does some really good analysis. And he, what he needs really hit on is that a lot of these trends were going to happen anyway, but we've moved up the timeline a lot now. So they don't have to deal with this change in a much, you know, in a space of where it would have been probably five or 10 years, they're now going to have to deal with it within the space of three years mm-hmm. because thanks to trolls and stuff, there there is now a, a proof of concept for for these businesses to take that gamble and, you know, push these higher higher and higher budget projects onto pvod and possibly even to grow their own streaming platform yeah and um shana you were talking earlier about the the love you have of the theater going experience um i think you're the only person i know who goes to the movie theaters as much as i do um not so much recently because you washed up and old but in (laughs) in in general though you do love going to the movie theaters um and and uh, talk about what he said here about you know, um, the particular circumstances of each film. Do you think there are movies that you definitely need to go to the theater for? Or do you think that any movie can be enjoyed on the small screen? Any movie can be enjoyed on the small screen. But there's nothing like sometimes sitting in a theater with people. Yeah. You have the same the same reactions to the movie. It's a, it's a really nice experience for me. And we laugh, we get frightened at the same time. Well, when they're not overbearing. But sometimes the... Uh, I was going to say, because sometimes you want to smack whoever's in the theater with you because they won't shut up. But honestly, I would not put that down to just sitting in a theater with friends or even just the plain audiences and enjoying a movie. Because the last time I sat in a theater and really enjoyed it was like Avengers Endgame. And that was really, really nice experience. You know, it's funny that this is all coming out a year after Endgame came out because there was a video that went around that was showing the reaction in the middle of Avengers Endgame where the crowd just erupted at that one of those moments in the final battle yeah. of that movie. Um, and yeah, you know, you're right. That, that does, that, I think that is an experience that I think would be lost. I mean, right now we are seeing a lot of people who are doing, uh, you know, live tweets of, of movies. At, you know, the directors and the writers are doing live tweets with fans about certain movies. Um, just the other day, James Gunn did one for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, the Russo brothers did one for uh, Avengers Endgame. So, you know, th- there are certain things that we could see as a new experience for streaming and for seeing movies at home. But to replicate the experience you get in the theater, uh, I, I personally don't think that you could do that. But I will say, 
as people who live in a country where we don't get all the movies that we would like in theaters, moving to a PVOD, um, you know, platform does work out in our favor because imagine, oh, imagine not having to <laughs> sit through the the delays or you know the the limited run of certain films like yeah because i remember uh what was it last year rocket man came out um and it was here for one week and then it was gone you know um yeah exactly but it doesn't have to be if they put movies out on demand same day as they because that exposes it to a global market as kyle said i mean that window with the covid19 pandemic that window has diminished um, greatly because we also remember, you know, a lot of these, a lot of things was going to transition to streaming anyways, because let me give an example. Remember that there are a lot of filmmakers out there that can't get their movies into the big studios. Yeah. So they jump to Netflix, they jump to Hulu or whichever other streaming platforms, and they'll give them a platform for a person to see their movies. So yeah. It was going to transition there anyways, I mean. From the independent filmmaking uh, business standpoint, a lot of uh, a lot of the guys that we are getting now is to put um, streaming and, and uh, video on demand and stuff like that as our primary business model and look to theatrical as simply a marketing mechanism now. So it isn't even that, you know, it's getting to the stage where Cinema is now the cinema, the big screen stuff now secondary. Um, and on a personal level, um, you mentioned that you know we out here we don't get you know a long enough release window for a lot of really good movies that we really want to see. I've spent I personally have spent an embarrassing amount of money since um, since before this lockdown started yeah. on a lot of premium video on demand stuff. All right, after after shame, you know, what is the worst movie that you bought on demand? What's the absolute worst one? The absolute worst one that I bought on demand, Charlie's Angels. You bought, you paid for Charlie's Angels on demand. I I spent like two, I had like two dollars on my Apple account at the time. I'm like, what can I watch? (laughs) And and I spent. I actually spent a whole ticket. Yeah, I I didn't watch Charlie's Angels at all because you know why would I? Yeah, there was nothing else there. I've all, I, I had already seen everything at the theater. So I said, you know yeah. what, let me go watch Charlie's Angel. But on the good side, at the same time that I watched that, I ended up watching Bloodshot, which was surprisingly enjoyable. So, you know, it, I, I, you know, win some, lose some. Bloodshot, <laughs> Bloodshot was the last movie I watched in the theaters, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah um, it, I, it wasn't bad. Kyle, I, as someone who works behind the scenes in films... Don't you think it was weird how much they zeroed in on the special effects production in Bloodshot? Like, you could tell that this was made by people who had experience in visual effects because they, like, they zoomed in on the computer program. You saw, like, the, the, the timeline of when he was constructing the visual world. Like, it just seemed very in-depth. Yeah, they, um, they, 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 it was a very, very visual effects-heavy movie, considering how low the budget was. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that they they drew attention to that. No, but it was it was just funny to me that clearly, like, because I know the director, he worked in visual effects. It felt like he was saying, you know what, this is time to shine for visual effects producers. This is this we have been ignored for too long. We give you the best movies every year, the best special effects, and you never know how it's done. This is how the sausage is made. 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I have such a respect for them now because I do dabble in it every so often. My last short film had an entirely virtual set for a couple of scenes. And um, the work that goes into it, just the hours that go into it, um, they deserve a lot more credit. Even movies where we don't think there are visual effects happening, there are way more visual effects than we think these yeah. days. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, just, it's just that much more cost effective and it, it helps a lot. Um, when you're trying to move, just shoot and move in a lot of cases and you have a lot of coverage to do, um, it helps to be able to just, you know, get through your principal photography and then you can go and work hands on in, you know, in this virtual space. And there are some great developments in stuff like virtual sets and virtual cinematography that are coming online. I'm hoping to start dabbling in some of that soon. Um, that's going to really kind of change the landscape for even low budget filmmaking. Yeah, and um, that they, that brings up uh, a good discussion because I think um, the best part about the best and worst part about visual effects is that um, if the, if you do your job hard enough, if you if you work hard enough on it, you don't notice it, and it's like you're you're working so hard at something that is not going to be really noticed because you're you're selling an illusion, so you're not gonna get the credit for it, but the fact that you don't get credit for it means you did your job right. Um, because I think if, if, if someone says, oh, the special effects were great, you kind of didn't do your job. Because it wasn't that, oh, that scene was so great or it made me feel immersed. It was just like, oh, that felt like it was supposed to look real. Um, but just getting back on topic before we go. Um, so here's a list of movies that are supposed to be released um, in the next few months based on um, you know, uh, you know, speculation about COVID. Uh, you have The King of Staten Island, which is the Judd Apatow uh, comedy being released by Universal, starring Pete Davidson. You have Scoob, which is the computer-animated Scooby-Doo movie releasing on May 15. Uh, My Spy, which is the Dave Bautista spy movie that has been pushed back from last year up to now. Uh, the Lovebirds, which is the um, Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae uh, romantic comedy. And Artemis Fowl, which is also a movie which was supposed to be released last year that got pushed up to this year. Um, so I, I think we're going to see some more major releases. They're kind of testing the waters right now. Um, and we'll see how things go with the releases. Um, I don't, I mean, I think also the, the AMC reaction might have been a little bit of an overreaction, but it's also in the sense that the, the universal statement of saying, let's do PVOD at the same time as theaters when theaters reopen was a little bit of an overstep of a statement. Because right now, yes, they're testing the waters. They're seeing how things are going to go. But also right now is a very extreme case where everybody is at home. You know, it's like you yeah. can't really expect to say, okay, Trolls World Tour made this amount of money um, while everybody was at home. That means we're going to release the next Trolls movie at the same time as theaters and everything will go exactly the way that we expected it to go based on the last Trolls movie. Like, unless there's another pandemic, which, you know, hopefully there isn't, um, I don't think you can expect this kind of captivated, it's literally a captivated audience because they can't go anywhere. Um, so I think it'll be some, some ebb and flow. Um, there are some benefits to releasing same day because you get everybody around the world gets to view it at the same time. But also that takes away from, I think, the intended experience of the artist. I think they want it to be seen in theaters. That's why they make it that way. Um, there's lots of factors to this. I don't think it's as cut as dry as saying we are not going to show any more of these movies. 
Um, and there's nothing concrete yet, Damien. That's what I'm saying. I yeah, yeah. Let, there is nothing concrete. There was nothing concrete. He just made, as as you said, they're testing the waters. They realized that Trolls World Tour made a bunch of money online, but that's also because everybody's at home. So maybe six months down the line now, they realize that it won't be feasible. Yeah. And, you know, they'll still have their movies in the theaters and, and whatnot. So I think that AMC and Regal just jumping up and say they're not going to show any more movies, any more Universal movies. It was just to me like, what? I mean, that's just beating your chest. That's just being like, say something, no? Right? Yeah, it's not like, yeah, it's not they, like they, they can jump on Marvel. Marvel doesn't re- release a movie every month where, you know, they can still have that bulk of audiences coming in. Yeah. And, and whatnot. Or even DC or the other big, big hitters. But to me, just in the middle of a pandemic, jumping up that you're not going to show James Bond in November. Really? <laughs> no, yeah. 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 There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot of looking at curves because you know movies earn their you know earn their income in this kind of big curve with a long tail end, and we're, they're gonna be looking at that curve to see likely where where the crossover will be for them. They're gonna just be doing they're gonna be a bunch of analysts sitting down doing projections and crunching numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the biggest um, things for that this is largely a domestic U.S. Canada issue right now. Yeah, I feel because of the ex- the ex- the theatrical market overseas is still expanding even though the studios don't earn as much like per ticket as in the states there it's still a growing market so there's still a market for cinema and theatrical so um outside of the united states so there there's going to be there's still going to that's going to carry it i think sean are used to i think he's gone we've lost him and look at that final pose (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Kyle, rest in podcasting. Yeah, my my computer and Zoom don't seem to like each other. Yeah, the the international theatrical market will keep cinema alive for now. I think because it it's just that important as even just the marketing tool for them. Yeah, and I, well, that also as I think I made this the last point, but there's also a number of spin-off things that need to be taken into account when you talk about cutting out the movie theaters because. How are you going to have a James Bond movie come out and not have a red carpet, you know, premiere? The merchandising is so tied to movie theaters sometimes. Like, you have special glasses for certain movies. You have toys. Um, uh, you know, Trolls World Tour. One of the reasons that they said they were putting it out immediately was because they had this marketing, merchandising deal that they wanted to capitalize on. And if you put out the movie too late, then you kind of, you lose the amount of kids that are going to be buying the Happy Meals and, you know, all the things that have the Trolls brand attached to it. So... You know, it's not just we're, we're going to be watching movies a different way. It would have to be a dramatic shift in how movies and, and merchandising and movie enjoying and marketing is done. Um, so, I, you know, I think everybody's in kind of panic mode right now because we're seeing this, this big thing happen. I, I, I don't know if any movie has made this much on demand um, in such a short amount of time. I don't have those numbers in front of me. But I think it's kind of shocking people and it's making people think about what could be, but not necessarily what will be in a couple of months' time. I think it's going to be a good amount of years until we've wiped our theaters completely. And even, even when it gets down to the, like, the stage where like, you only had a few video rental stores in you know, various states, um, it'll still be a niche thing that people will want to go out and see. And then... I, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I think it'll be a good amount of time until we lose that. And I think AMC just wants to be treated 
with respect and love. You know, there's one some 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 tender love and care. I feel like Universal is is just they're they're kind of like they might have promised AMC that they were going to stay loyal, and they might have promised you know COVID don't mean nothing, baby. We're going to be close. We're going to be together. Nothing's going to stop our <laughs> love. And then as soon as the going got tough, and and PVOD walked by in a skimpy little dress, Universal <laughs> was just like, mm. by the way, um, how much is the PVOD price though? Because I'm not really familiar with that. Like, how much did they pay to watch? Uh, I don't. What I don't. About, what, what about is some of them are about twenty dollars. Yeah. In US. Okay. Yeah, about that. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't bring that up before. But I thought about bringing it up. Um, yeah, I think I think it's, think it's be- between fifteen and twenty. Yeah, that's uh, about the the general um price range I've seen. Yeah, I mean, and and they've needed to change the 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 model for tickets for a while. Um, they tried with Movie Pass, and Movie Pass died uh, within a year. Or so, um, but that's gonna be it for this week's episode. I want to thank you both for coming on and talking about this issue. You are both very very well spoken and very informative. Uh, you actually made me look better than I do because I tend to <laughs> I tend to chat some idiot stuff sometimes. So it's good to have the experts to. It's true. Yeah, thank you, Shana, for the <laughs> the, the um, historical data on that. Uh, that's gonna bring us out with that sweet jazz music. I promised you it would be back, and it's gonna be back by the it's end. True. <laughs> um, Kyle, thank you very much for joining us. I know you're a very busy person. Not a problem guys thanks for having me yeah and i hope you are open to coming yes i hope you're open to coming back on the podcast again anytime anytime i'm gonna you say don't say that because i'll i'll message you and say hey (laughs) come on the podcast in 10 minutes i don't care what you're doing yeah um yeah you can ask on i do that all the time all right so that's it for this week's episode of Moving on a Refinance. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Um, what do you think about this debacle? Do you think that you will be going back to theaters as soon as they open? Are you going to wait a little bit as soon as COVID has died down completely? Uh, do you prefer watching in your homes as opposed to going to theaters? Let us know. You can find me on Twitter at Damien Movies. That's D-A-M-I Movies. You can find Shauna on Twitter at... I know I you change it so <laughs> regularly, so I don't know what to say. Shana WTF. Shana WTF and Kyle, where can they find you? I am at Bertitude on Twitter. And you can also find me on Instagram at Damien Michael Movies. Kyle, do you have an Instagram that you want to put out or do you not really? Um, yes, Real Vibe Studios on Instagram or Bertitude everywhere. Okay, cool. And you can also find this podcast and all the other podcasts on DamienMichaelMovies.com as well as you you can find the reviews and other shows there as well. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining me today. And we will see you next time. My pleasure. Bye-bye.